postmodern and post-Christian are both terms that the, the church seriously needs to retire. We're going to the world to tell them who we are, and we're not going to the world to present who God is. A world in which so much is focused on building walls and keeping people out. An alternative way to live is to live by... It's almost like raising a white flag and saying, Ah! It's all the secular people's fault and no one's listening or coming to our evangelistic campaign. How can we redesign Adventism to be effective at reaching emerging Western culture? That's what the Story Church podcast is all about. Adventism Redesigned. Welcome back to the Story Church Podcast, everyone. It's uh, really cool to be here for another week uh, and, and more conversation into redesigning Adventism for mission in our uh, emerging secular, post-secular, post-truth, post-church, post-whatever, everything and all society that we live in. And today I actually want to focus on a topic that is really near and dear to my heart. I actually shared a sermon about it recently, um, and it's about youth ministry. And if if you had heard that episode, you, you might remember that I started out by saying I grew up in a church with lots of young people. I mean, so many. It was like close to 100, and then like there's so few of us still left um, in the church. So today, I want to talk about six simple ways that our local churches can love our youth. And I'm not alone. And so I'm like, I'm super stoked because on the podcast with me today, I have got two youth ministry extraordinaires, Martin and Alina Van Rensburg. Guys, how are you doing? Hey, we're doing well. How's it going? Uh, It's going great. It's raining over here in Perth. What about, uh, you guys are in Sydney, am I right? Uh, We're in Brisbane, Brisbane. Brisbane. Yep. And right now, blue skies and sun. So wow. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Very jealous of you guys. So, Martin, Alina, uh, I want to take a few moments just to introduce you guys to the listeners. Tell us a little bit about yourselves and sort of what you're doing, what's, what spaces you're plugged into right now. Yeah, no worries. Like, yeah, so my name's Martin um, and I have a bit of a marketing um, strategy type of background, working, um, work for myself um, in consulting, being had a, a number of different hats from um, working as a journalist to web development to, yeah, working for different government sectors. And um, and Lena and I met in youth group a number of years ago, but now we do ministry together. And mm-hmm. So I um, am a pastor and I'm currently working in our South Queensland conference. Here in Australia. Here in Australia. And I formerly had a title of young adult director, um, but recently our church leadership team has had a vision uh, to see us come together as a team to help cultivate thriving churches, Marcos, which is right on the topic that we're talking about today. Um, So I'm a part of a team now, um, still with the same love for young people and seeing our church culture um, be all can be, but doing that within a context of a number of other people um, who have a heart for the same thing. So it's really exciting to see what God is doing in this space at the moment. That is awesome, man. That is so cool. And look, for everyone who's listening, I was not kidding when I said that uh, Martin and Alina are, are youth ministry extraordinaires. In fact, they're just ministry extraordinaires altogether. And they're like, they're super unassuming, pardon, unassuming. Let me get the word right. Uh, and mm-hmm. humble. Um, so they, they wouldn't, uh, boast about that too much, but if you get a chance to follow anything that they do, uh, please make sure you do so because it's absolutely fascinating the work that they do. And part of that involves travel. You guys travel quite a bit. Uh, I've been stalking you on Instagram and (laughs) Facebook and living vicariously through you. Um, so before we dive into our topic, I actually wanted to know, uh, just as sort of a simple question, lighthearted question, what is the coolest place that you guys have been? Uh, that is a good question, Marcos. And I'm that kid that has trouble choosing an ice cream flavor. So choosing a favorite place is a tough one. Um, but I'm definitely driven by my love for food and um, amazing culinary experiences. So I'm the 
first one that comes to mind is we have traveled a couple of years ago to the island of Lombok, um, which is a part of Indonesia. And we just had some amazing opportunities to connect with the people there, to eat some great food, beautiful beaches. And yeah, it was um, off the beaten track a little bit. Uh, we loved it. Wow. wow. Martin, would you agree? Is this the coolest place you've, you guys have been? <laughs> yeah together it's probably the coolest place we've been um, like a couple of years ago i went backpacking in india wow. and it was yeah it was really cool just like so many cultures within you know this conglomerate of a nation and just yeah so many smells and so many different colors and the food is just incredible and it's yeah i just love going back there even in my memory it's just yeah it, it's even trippy just thinking about it so mm -hmm. yeah wow. and martin's trying to convince us to plan a trip there so we'll see <laughs> yes yeah well is it a backpacking trip you want to go back back backpacking or just to that's to be determined. To be I'm determined, not... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I've, I've never been to Indonesia, never been to India. I, I actually haven't traveled quite a lot. Um, I mean, I have been a few different places. You know, I grew up in New Jersey, um, <laughs> lived in Hawaii, and now I live in Australia. Uh, yeah. But there is, uh, when, I, when I see people who are just sort of jumping around the world, you guys were just in Oregon recently as well. So I, I kind of sit back and I'm like, oh, how cool. You know, I'm just going to look at their pictures and pretend it's me. Uh, Oregon was a beautiful place for the, any Oregon listeners. We loved Oregon. Just so many green trees, green spaces. Um, yeah, it was quite phenomenal. And the people were really chilled. Like, yeah. yeah, really chilled. We liked them. Yeah, you guys, if I remember correctly, I'm trying to remember one of the pictures that I saw because you guys were there with some some pretty influential voices in, in Adventism right now. Um, and I'm trying to remember um, some of the people's names who I saw in, in, in the pictures. I, I have this thing where I forget names where I'm under when I'm under pressure to think of them. Uh, yeah. but, but Ben Lundquist, I think ben is Lundquist. his name, was one yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, Humans of Adventism. Um, Caleb. Caleb, that's right. Uh, and... Who else? There was a few. Oh, so many of them. I just remember looking at this picture and being like, oh, how cool. They're all together. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. We are just connecting again, like-minded people, passionate about young people and really seeing our church thrive. And we, um, yeah, we ate our way through Oregon also. <laughs> so shout out to Salt and Straw who provided all the gelato and um, ice cream. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a very, it's a favorite in um, Oregon. Cool, cool. Well, look, as American as I am, unfortunately, I've never been to Oregon. It, it is on my bucket list. It is on my bucket list. I'll, I'll get down there one day. Well, guys, I want to jump into our, um, our conversation. I want to talk about loving our young people yeah. in the church. Um, mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to loving our young people, I think this is a conversation that lots of Adventists are interested in because we recognize this, the tension with, with youth leaving young adults, not plugging in. Um, and, and just our church is sort of getting, you know, going grayer rather than, you know, the other way around. Um, and so I, I want to dive into that and I want to explore that a little bit because I know that the two of you have been advocates for the, the growing young movement, which is an absolutely phenomenal research and, and, and project. Um, mm -hmm. So I want to talk about that and just dig in as deep as possible into the six keys that they highlight. I don't know if we'll get to all six, but as, as, as deep as possible, we can get in as far as we can go. Um, so I want to start with this question. Um, and I'd love to hear from both of you. What, what are some of the challenges that you see in local Adventist churches and their relationship to young people on, on a general basis? Mm. I'll, yeah, I'll jump in. Um, we Yeah, we both have a, a lot to say in this space, uh, Marcos, but something I really resonated with what you shared earlier about, you know, being a part of a, a youth group with so many young people back in the day and then kind of looking around now and, and asking that question, uh, where are they? Um, and that's something that's been very real for Martin and I personally in terms of our own um, in involvement in a local church setting and just really seeing some of our peers, um, our, yeah, our friends, young people are no longer engaged, no longer a part of our, um, our church community. Um, so that's a very personal um, 
element of it. And then on another level, I'm coming from a school chaplain background, you know, working in our Adventist high school context, and then, you know, stepping into young adult ministry, which is post high school, 18 plus, really just asking myself that question, all those young people that, you know, went through our our Adventist schooling systems and, you know, local churches, what, what's that next step for them? How are they journeying, um, you know, through their walk with God and their church community when they step into new seasons. So that was something that was very challenging, um, looking around and seeing that space, particularly as a school chaplain saying these kids that I did Bible studies with and, you know, um, led in school chapels with, where are they in this next season? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And like uh, to add a couple of cents onto that, I, um, (laughs) yeah, I fully resonate with all of that. Um, and I just, I think, I just think that as growing up as um, a young person in church, there was always like this disconnect between the culture of what was happening in like, let's call it youth ministry or young adult ministry. Um, There was always like a disconnect between what was happening in that space and then what they would call, you know, the grown-ups church, whatever that is, Mm. you know, as if, you know, the youth, youth church or young adult church wasn't church in itself. And there was like all this, um, yeah, we've seen like this big, um, gaping divide between these, these generations, which is so crazy when we're supposed to be like this full body of Christ. And, Mm -hmm. um, so that, yeah, that's been really challenging for us personally is just going, why are we having such, um, disconnects between generations? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I, I fully resonate with that. Like I said, you know, and earlier on, I'm um, growing up in a church with lots and lots of young people. And, you know, there's there's very, very few of us kind of still there. And yeah. some of us who are still there, like left for a while and then yeah. kind of found our way back as well. And I know at least in, in the context that I grew up in, there was also this tension um, where it, it was almost like it was it was almost like there was this culture within the church. And this might not be true of every church, but uh, at least in ours, it was where it was like the youth versus the adults. There was like this unspoken, <laughs> like this unspoken tension um, where it was like, you know, we both looked at each other as as sort of like the bad guys. What, what, what do you guys think contributes to some of these um, recurring challenges because it's not like this is a unique scenario, right? Like this happens across the world, like US, UK, Australia. I've seen it, you know, everywhere I've been. What, what do you think contributes to this sort of challenge that we we constantly face? I would say relationship or lack of. Um, and, you know, I mean, the, the six principles really um, touch in um, on this um, in, in particular, one of them is like empathizing um, with young people and I guess empathizing with people in general. I just I think that we just don't have good connections with one another or it's like we have connections, but it's only in one facet. And so we don't get the full story or full picture of um, each other. And so we we put these labels on one another or we you know, they're the old people. They just don't understand our context or, or they're just the young people. They're the youth, you know, why don't you just grow up and be like a a full adult? Um, Mm. and I just, I just think that we, we just don't understand each other, you know, like we Mm. just don't, we haven't spent the time to hear each other's stories and to hear the challenges that we're going through and just, Mm. um, do life together. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. a really, really good point. Um, Alina, did you want to um, add to that as well? Yeah, I was just going to um, springboard off that. And I think Martin's really hit that there with, with relationship and understanding. And, you know, something I've been really challenged by, like stepping into young adult ministry, um, was just really seeing that, you know, in some ways, it's almost like we've done, you know, youth ministry too well, um, in the sense that we run phenomenal summer camp programs and, you know, teen ministries and all of this kind of thing. And yet, um, 
it, it can almost be that it's done in isolation from the wider church body, uh, which is something that we touched on earlier. And it's breaking down these silos and really seeing that we need each other. We need um, we need the wisdom of our you know beautiful season members, and we need the energy and the passion of our our younger people, and you know how we can create bridges um, in those spaces so that we're not just thinking about the youth offered a summer camp or you know down in the youth room, but we're actually seeing them as a as an integral part of our church and and seeing our older generations have a real heart for passing on legacy and seeing that that's how our church will move forward um, through the bridges between our younger and older generations. That's a really, really good point. Look, I, I want to move in a, in a sec kind of over to the the whole concept of, um, you know, what why it is that young people, like what are the sort of the common things that, that actually help them stay? Because one of the things in, that you preached about, Alina, when you came to Perth and you were looking at the sort of the Growing Young project um, mm-hmm. was that these, this research is unique in the sense that rather than asking, hey, why do young people leave? They, they asked, why do they stay? And they kind of honed in on that, which is really brilliant. We're going to get to that in a moment. But I wanted to bounce off of what you just said because it's, it's so key, like it's so true. And I, think, um, and I think we'll elaborate on this a little bit more later on too. But um, like this idea of, of really coming to know each other, right? This intergenerational sort of knowing of one another and and trusting one another is so big like i remember when i was 18 years old and i joined the army right the u.s army um and it was it's fascinating because like i'm like this 18 year old kid who's suddenly being entrusted with like you know thousands of dollars worth of of equipment you know like when i got to my unit in hawaii like there was you know these hummers that i had to look after and all these weapons and you know this super expensive stuff that you know like it was my responsibility to maintain and mm-hmm. and and we see this not just in the military we see this in the corporate world as well where young people are being you know put in charge of you know multi million dollar um things and, and yet often in the church it's like oh no you're too young you know like yeah. we we don't want to trust you with this and, and, and that does create a dissonance, you know, and, and I think sometimes, at least in my experience, like sort of growing up, um, you know, people assume, oh, is exactly what you were saying, Alina, like people assume like, oh, young people, yeah, the way that you keep them in church is you just put on really cool programs. Um, and, and you're right, like we've done that super duper well, but it's not really working. And, and I think that's what I love about what you guys have committed yourself to sharing like this there's actually something way simpler but also way more powerful so i, I want to jump into that like um i want to talk about like what what are the general reasons why why young people stay and for those who are listening if you guys want to get more of this content we're, we're working off of the book growing young uh, you can get it on Amazon. It's uh, Six Essential Strategies to Help Young People Discover and Love Your Church is the title of the book. And um, so, yeah, you can Google it, get your hands on it. It's a fascinating book to read with your leaders and sort of redesign the way you guys do ministry. Um, so anyways, now that I've done with the promotion, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> by the way, if you give them my name, I get a cut. No, I don't. I don't get a cut. Um <laughs> So what, what are some of the reasons why young people stay? Now, I want to look at that from two angles, guys. So I'm going to go over to Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, it might be a bit unfair because I might be going off of memory here. Um, <laughs> but the book points out some of the reasons, some of the things that don't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've got the list in front of me, so I can help you out if you need any help. <laughs> but um, if you remember any, like, what are some of the things that, that don't, that we generally think are really important in keeping young people that this research project identified as not that important? Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things that was really stood out to me. And it's um, like a lot of people, when they think of, you know, how do we engage young people, they go, oh, well, if we just put, you know, get out some flashing lights that will will draw people in, or if we have some incredible music that will draw people in. And, you know, we've often seen worship wars based on some of these things, but it, like to, 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 um, bring, to bring, um, churches to grow young, it's 
the this study found that it had nothing to do with that at all it was mm. it wasn't about having like the an exact age it wasn't about having a contemporary worship service it wasn't about having um you know watered down teaching it wasn't about like the cool factor of you know everyone dressing as the the coolest hipsters uh, <laughs> it wasn't about like having you know a whole bunch of money to throw down on this stuff but that's mm. also really good yeah. but it's it's got nothing to do with all of those sorts of things mm. um and yeah that was one of the incredible things about this study is that it 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 was it came down to like some six yeah simple um strategies that you know, when you actually look at them, you go, um, is it that simple? Mm. Is it that mm. simple? Mm. Um, aren't we doing that? Mm. Well, when you actually look at it, maybe we, maybe we're not in, um, in mm. so many words. Yeah. 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 That, that, that's man. You have a good memory. Did you, do you have like a list in front of you or were you, was that all top of yeah. your head? You know, who knows? He might, I might have a cheat sheet. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a cheat sheet, bro. Because I can't, I can't remember stuff. Um, no, that's a, you make a really, really, really good point, and and I and I like the fact that you highlighted. You know, like we we often fight these wars, um, and it's it's not to say, and and I and I make this very clear with people. It's not to say that um, any of this, you know, like having a church where there's a contemporary worship service or a big budget, you know, th- those things they're okay, right? But the, the thing is that they're not, like, we sometimes we treat them like the savior. Like, oh, if we just do this, you know, then yeah. the young people really plug in. And what this research found was um, even in the churches that are doing that, that's not one of the things that emerged as a reason for, for young people staying. Was there anything in that particular portion that surprised you, Alina? Um, I think probably Martin hit on it where he said, um, you know, like our focus over, well, not focus, but the tendency to have these debates over worship style and like that's going to be the thing that's going to either draw young people in or drive them away. And I I guess it just really gives us a different language um, Mm. for what we're actually talking about. So we can leave some of that discussion aside and let's really focus on the heart of, you know, what young people um, and people in general are looking for when it comes to a community of faith that they feel at home in and welcome in. So I think just the the new language and new framework um, of the Growing Young Principles has really just helped to articulate um, what it is that we really sense God is wanting to do in our church. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Alina, let's jump on that. Let's jump because I I can feel your itching (laughs) to jump into <laughs> I'm um, holding myself back, Marco. <laughs> no, no, no. Like, I can I can feel the passion. It's building, it's building. Um, yeah. And I'm sure people listening to the podcast right now are like, can we get to it already? All right, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Um, okay, so what are some of the things that that they found in this research? And, and again, these are things that we've, we've been seeing as well, not just in, in a book, but in, you know, you guys have seen this working in real life. Um, what are some of those things that has really helped young people love their church and stay connected to their church and, and be a really, have a really meaningful presence in their church? What, what are they? Yeah. Um, well, before I just rattle off the six principles and sound like it's just kind of rote memory, I'd like just to reflect on a, um, a conversation that I recall having with, you know, one of our young people and talking about, you know, what is it that you love about your church? Like so many of your your friends have left. Why are you still there? And the conversation, you know, just sticks with me. And it's this idea of, of church being like a family Um a place that is Jesus centered, that is spirit led, and that is is operating like a family. And I think that just provides such a beautiful picture um, of what it what it truly is to be a part of the body of Christ. Um, and you know, the word family can bring up all sorts of different um, thoughts for different people. But this idea of warmth, of belonging, of um, having a part to play, and you know, when I think about that conversation, um, it really does. 
uh, I guess, give narrative to these principles that we're talking about. And it's the principles are best illustrated in a in a wheel, um, in a circular form. And the, and Jesus is right at the center of it. We're not talking about principles outside of that. We're talking about a Jesus centered community where the Holy Spirit um, and and His ministry and work is paramount. Um, and it's these principles which actually, as Martin was saying, they're not rocket science. They're not um, surprising. They're actually really simple. And we we see them um, in in the early church. We see them. Um, played out in the book of Acts and, and the way that the, um, the Jesus followers were operating and, and navigating life together. And one of the ones that I think um, really, really strikes home and I see it played out in the way young people are engaged is this idea of key chain leadership. Um, so that's one of the six principles. And to unpack that, um, essentially it's about putting young people um, into um, weight-bearing, significant roles in the church, handing them the keys, um, not just letting them borrow a key, um, not telling them how to use the key, um, but giving them the keys and then coming alongside them and mentoring them and nurturing them through that. Not throwing them. The not keys. throwing them the keys. That's another thing we <laughs> throwing them in the deep end, um, but actually giving them the keys and empowering them and um, letting them take ownership and letting them see that they have an incredible role an incredibly valuable role to play in our church and they have the gifting uh, to be able to do that as we as we walk them through it and see them step up and part of having that key is like having key having a key to new doors so Mm -hmm. like maybe it's it's this key was to an old door but you know when you give them a key maybe it's this is this is a key to step into new doors Mm -hmm. metaphorically speaking that is yeah yep yeah yeah and i guess this kind of bleeds into the the thing i was saying earlier about you know joining the military or being a young person in some of these multi-billion dollar corporations who are entrusted with you know some pretty big things um and and wanting to see that same sort of entrustment from the church leadership hey yeah yeah absolutely and so seeing young people step into those spaces and being entrusted with that um it's just phenomenal you see them thrive you see them flourish and you see them connect with um you know their own generation and also older generations in a way that it really does help the whole church thrive yeah and in a sense like if we're wanting to see innovation in our church it's like We've got a, the engine room happening right in youth ministry or in younger generations, just mm. waiting for the you know the the doors to be unlocked so that innovation and creativity can just be flourishing in the local church. It's right there, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, can I share a story? Would that be yeah. cool? Yeah. Yeah, but to hear it. It's not a personal story. I um, I heard this story from Wayne Krause. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sure we you love- guys know who Wayne. Yeah, Wayne's cool. Wayne's cool. He has no idea who I am, but I think he's cool. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, he shared this story during one of his church planning um, training seminars about a an old church that had really it had no young people. There was like 15, 20 members left. It was dying, right? All the members were really aged and they were tired. And the church was basically on the verge of, of closing up. Um, and the reason why uh, he found out about this church, and I don't remember all the details in the story, but there was a, there was a, there was a group of young people who were ready to plant a church in a community. Mm-hmm. And the pastor gets a call uh, from a, from one of the churches in the community. And from this particular church that I'm talking about, this dying church, he gets a call from this dying church and says, we heard you guys are going to plant a church in this community. And he said, yes, we are. And uh, the person who called said, how would you guys like to have our building? Mm. Which is kind of unheard of, you know? Yeah. Um, so the, you know, the pastor was blown away. He's like, wow, okay. So he went and, and he met up with these, you know, team of, of leaders from this church. And what they said to him was absolutely amazing. And they said it to the young people who were going to be leading this new church as well. Um, They said, you know, God has done amazing things in this church in the past. He's, you know, this church has been a part of this community for a long time and it's made a really significant impact. Um, But our, our season is done. Like we've done what God called us to do 
and our season is now done. And so we want to hand the keys over to you mm. and to your team of young people to take what we've started and to take it, carry it on into the next season, into the next level. Um, now, Wayne said something amazing during this training. He said, this is a really unique scenario because most churches would rather die than mm. give their keys over to a younger team, right? Mm -hmm. um, but this church, you know, the leaders said, let's let these young people take the mantle. And, and on the opening day, they had a ceremony, you know, where the, old, the older team handed the keys over to the younger team, sort of passing the mantle, said a prayer over them, gave them the Great Commission um, challenge. And then the amazing thing was on their opening day, like the church was packed because the, the young, you know, this team, these young people had done a really good job at getting into the community and, and, and people knew this was happening. So the church was packed. And one of the members of the, the old church, one of the, one of the old men um, said that he was really blown away. Like he was in tears because he's sitting in the, in one of the, you know, toward the back of the church, watching this young church, you know, sort of start up and this new season emerge and at the end of their service, they had an altar call for people to, you know, to give their life to Christ. And one of the old leaders in the church saw his own grandchildren get up mm. and go to the front. And these were grandchildren who hadn't been to church in forever. Yeah. And like he realized at that time, like if we had held on to the keys with jealousy, if we'd hoarded those keys, my grandchildren may never have come to Christ, you know. Um, so it was just one of those stories, which is like so inspiring, you know, you hear it and your heart just melts like, you know, and so when we're talking about this keychain leadership thing of, you know, just handing over. And like you said, Martin, not throwing the keys, right? <laughs> we want to train and equip, but there's something beautiful where instead of hoarding with jealousy, we, we entrust the next generation to carry on the legacy that we've started. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And just to both sides of that, um, Marcos, I think the way we, we talk about this and frame this is really important because it's not about sidelining our older generations. It's yes. not about saying we don't want you anymore, you're not needed. Um, we desperately need the wisdom and the support and the, um, finance. the finance and the encouragement of our older generations, 100%. Absolutely. And growing young is not about um, getting rid of our older our older people. We we need to come together as a family. And I think the other side of that too is with our our younger generations. A message that we have for them is, guys, we we need you to step up. We mm. need you to lean into this conversation. Um, we we need to like earn the respect and, and trust of our older generations who have faithfully um, you know served this church for so many years. Yeah. Let's let's be willing to to commit. And and that can be a challenging conversation as well but we have young people who are ready and willing and able and we just want to see that group multiply that is awesome that is awesome that's exciting so guys you know you're listening to this one of the keys to growing young as a church to really connecting with your youth is this principle of keychain leadership and and this is what i love about what you guys are sharing here martin and alina is that when we talk about like loving our youth it's not just about being nice to them and it's, mm. and it's not just about coddling them. It's about really investing in them, right? So about really believing in them. Like, that's how you love them. Now, there was something that you said when you came to Perf, Alina, and you preached sermons on these principles that I have not forgotten. Like, I don't know if you made it up or if you got it from the book. I don't remember reading it in the book. Um, but you said the key is don't do ministry for young people. Do ministry with them. Yeah. Can yeah. you elaborate a little bit on that? Because that's just like so cool. Like I was sitting in the audience like mind blown. It was awesome. Yeah. It was an awesome moment. <laughs> Uh, it, yeah, it. Um, I don't know if it's specifically in the book, but it's something that's really come out of our journey, and you know, as we've journeyed with other young adult ministry leaders in this space, um, this whole idea of not just doing something for, yeah, exactly what it says, not just doing it for them, like not just putting on an event, not just saying, you know, hey, this is a great idea we've got, as you know, as we're on the upper end of young adults now, Martin and I. Let's be real. Um, so if we're wanting to engage our young people, uh, we're wanting to come along side and like get their ideas and and their drive and for them to be a part of that process to actually build something together um, rather than just you know 
putting the event on and inviting them to come, them actually being a part of the whole process right from the very beginning, the dreaming, the visioning, the, you know, what could be. And some of those ideas are wild. Some of them are out of the box. Um, Yeah, it's not just about (laughs) doing like really cool graphics. You know, oftentimes they throw something like, oh, if you can do cool graphics, but to actually do it, you know, from the idea phase is is yeah 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 so right from the start rather than already having the you know the idea formulated and then inviting young people into it we need to be involving them right from the very very beginning i love it i love it that's so powerful okay let's let's talk about some of the other principles Uh um that came out of this as well like some of the other things that they found and in case it isn't clear yet for those who are listening what the growing young project did was they went to churches who are retaining their young people really well and they, uh, they looked for the common denominators between all those churches. So keychain leadership was one of those. What, what was another one? Mm. Um, so another one, Marcos, and I like, I love that you've given foundation there. Um, I think that's really important. Um, one of them was, and I love this fueling a warm community. Um, it's all of, and I mentioned this earlier in the, in the family, um, example is it's about warmth. It's about a place of belonging and the heart of, you know, what the research found is that this isn't just about retaining young people. This is about a thriving, growing community is about church culture and so having a warm community fueling warmth um, is really a, a cultural thing it's the heart of what a church is like when you step into that space um, is it a warm place to be are we looking at um, you know relationships between our older and younger generations and not just you know rocking up for a weekend service but actually doing life together um, praying together serving together eating together um, and having a space where people truly are having sense of belonging um, that was found to be a key factor in young people not only staying engaged in their church but you know choosing to lead and and grow and thrive in that space and this is probably a really challenging um, principle for our church our Adventist church and um, yeah there's been it's it's probably one of our lowest scores on our natural church development um, mm-hmm. scores that you know these surveys just mm-hmm. happen. So this this idea of fueling a warm community and feeling like you belong, man, this is this is actually challenging because um, it's not all about that head knowledge and all of that stuff. It's actually about the the person on the edge of that community in that sub school or in church. It's mm-hmm. about that you know connecting with those people and making sure that they, um, yeah, they feel like they belong. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, man. And if, if I could, if I could add to that, you know, it's, you know, from a pastoral perspective, um, I think sometimes as Adventists, we, and I'm not claiming to, you know, or I'm not trying rather to oversimplify something that could be complex or that is complex. But I think one of the reasons why we often, why we struggle so much with warm relationships is because we put this um, really, really high emphasis, as you said, Martin, on head knowledge, right? This high emphasis on truth. Um, mm-hmm. And and this is something that I've worked my, with my churches and, and I've seen some really beautiful things emerge as we've worked through this as well, that, um, you know, it's like, how do we define truth? You know, if, if we define truth as, as propositional ideas, um, then we should probably just keep doing what we're doing but if we go to the Bible for the definition of truth, like scripture tells us that truth is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and if Jesus is truth, then, you, then you know, like Jesus is a person, like he's relational, right? Uh, I yes. am the way, I am the truth, right? I am the life. Like the truth in scripture is not like this Greek propositional idea, like the Greek philosophers, but it's, it's alive and it's personal and it's incarnational. Yeah. And, and if we're really committed to truth as Adventists, that means that we need to be alive and we need to be personal and we need to be incarnational because mm-hmm. biblical truth is not just propositional ideas. It's doing life together. It's relational. It's personal. It's intimate. Yeah. Um, and, and so this is a really, really good point because I want Adventists to be really committed to truth. Like that's a beautiful thing. But mm-hmm. to be committed to biblical truth, not this Greek concept of, you know, I, I, I've already said about head knowledge. And, and this is kind of yeah. what the book of James is about, isn't it? <laughs> right, yeah. The head knowledge versus the living it out. Yeah, um, yeah definitely, Marcos. Um, yeah, we, I mean, 
like one of the principles there is taking Jesus's message seriously. Mm -hmm. Which just hits right on what you've said, um, Marcos. And that's the beautiful thing about these principles is that they actually, they overlap and they, you know, connect in together. And if we take Jesus's message seriously, then exactly what you said. It's the person of Jesus Christ. It's um, becoming more like him and living out of the overflow as we connect with people. It's, it's a living, breathing expression of, it's yeah. incarnate. It's yeah. like the, yeah, it's, you know, J Jesus um, left his Holy Spirit in mm -hmm. us. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, that's, that's the daily awakening to and living and breathing like all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Now I, I want to do something a little bit, um, it's kind of a little bit unplanned, but I feel like it's probably a good good time to sort of yeah. dive into it because we're talking yeah. about warm relationships. I'm curious um, if if you guys could think to someone who's in the church who's exhibited this towards you and, and how that impacted your own spiritual journey. Uh, Elisa, you being a pastor now and, and Martin and you two together being really involved in ministry, like was there someone in your past who, who really plugged in and inspired you to, to be where you are today? Yeah, well, it it happened to me um, oh, not that many years ago, but um, I grew up in the church and I went through a season um, where I became distanced to the church and was in a, in a probably a hard place um a desert season and um i still like believed and um faith was important to me and so i would get along to church and sneak into church and but to be honest it was really hard coming to church you know like mm -hmm. i i felt um sense of shame um i i felt embarrassed that i was coming by myself um mm -hmm. And so I would rock up to church um, late and um, just try and sneak into the back. And it, for, for many weeks, it was very hard um, just coming to church. But the, there was an old um, deacon who used to spot me out. And um, he was probably one of the only people who would really um, greet me per se. Um, he would grab my hand, give me a, you know, shake my hand and like, how are you, mate? And just, yeah, like it was, it wasn't like um, super deep, but it was like, it was profound. And um, I knew yeah. he cared and he, mm. he went out of his way because he knew that I was sneaking in um, mm. to, to come in and say good day. And he was like, I mean, he's probably um, 20 or 30 years older than me, but I just remember in that season, um, when I was, I was feeling, um, all alone, um, that had a profound, um, impact on me and he showed me Jesus. Mm. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's powerful, man. How about you, Alina? Yeah. Just as I reflect on that question, um, I, I probably think of more, I guess, a range of instances where, and this really sticks out in my mind, is where I've sat in someone's living room. I've been invited home for lunch or um, an evening meal or just a hot drink. And to be in that space, feeling so welcomed and so cared about and just to be able to talk about life. Um, I remember navigating, you know, some challenging decisions um, as you do, particularly in that, you know, early young adult season when you're making choices about relationships and, and, you know, life calling and direction. And I just have these memories of being in leaders' homes where they would, yeah, just sit with me and wrestle through those questions. And, you know, we didn't always come up with answers, but just being listened to and, and to to be able to share a meal together um, was mm. just really, really powerful. And they stand out in my memory. That's awesome, man. And, and look, it's the same for me. Like I can think of, um, you know, people in my church who just really invested, um, brought us to their home, fed mm -hmm. us, hung out with us, chatted with us. And like, mm -hmm. I've often, you know, said to people like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like a naturally spiritual type person. You know, like there's some people who are just like, that's like, they, they have this proclivity to be spiritual. Um, I'm not. <laughs> um, and, and one of the reasons why like I'm here today is it's got nothing to do with how spiritual I am. It's that there were people who really believed and who really plugged in, um, and who didn't judge, but just, you know, we're just there. We're warm. There's warm relationships. And 
I think oftentimes, you know, I wanted you guys to share these stories just to really hone in on just how powerful uh, warm relationships can be in, mm -hmm. in the local church um, scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just if I do, I have time just to share a really quick anecdote on that. Oh, yes. Um, just thinking of a of a young lady recently telling us about um, her her church is on a journey to really um, love each other well and really love on their young people. And they recently went on a church camp and there were some challenges and struggles in that church. And just the way she talked about um, on the Saturday evening, they, you know, gathered around the, the fire and stories were shared. Um, apologies were given. Um, hugs were received. Uh, it was just this really beautiful time of um, relationship building. And it happened in a space where generations came together and it was just beautiful. And as she was telling this story I'm like man like that's a picture of the kingdom of heaven that's a picture of church yes. um being in that in that space together yes yeah. absolutely absolutely let's go to another one of the uh we, we like I said we probably won't get to all six because uh, I'm not trying to rush through them you know I want to hear some 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 stories and bounce back and forth so we, we might have time for for one more um yeah. and again for those of you who really want to get the full sort of spill the six essential keys to you know, retaining your youth. That's not the subtitle of the book. That's sort of my botched up summary. Um, but check out the book, Growing Young. Um, yeah. uh, and you, you can get it all there. So Alina, um, give us give us one more and then we'll, we'll sort of bounce back and forth uh, uh, some of the keys. Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to choose which one. Um, I think... Yeah. They're also good, aren't they? They are, they are. Um, and the one, <laughs> the one that's coming to my mind, being the best neighbors, um, neighboring well. And this is, this is about how we're engaging with the people in our world that don't know Jesus. Um, the way that we um, are doing that, you know, locally, like literally within, you know, the borders of our, our church. And the question that we, we ask ourselves is, you know, if this church community, if this building wasn't here, like would our neighbors actually notice? Um, mm -hmm. Are we making making a difference in our communities? Are we sharing um, the light of Jesus in our spheres of influence? And yeah. Or, or are we better known for condemning the world that is mm. outside our walls? Mm. Are we better known for pointing the fingers than being the best neighbors? Mm. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really confronting one. Let's, let's linger there for a little while. Cause I, I do feel like, I mean, I kind of feel like we tend to do that more often than not, you know, like we, we tend mm -hmm. to be more like, um, you know, sort of point to finger, the world out there is bad sort of thing. Um, and, and you're right. That doesn't leave us a lot of space to be good neighbors and to plug in meaningfully into the culture. Um, yeah. what do you guys, yeah, let's, let's just elaborate on that a little bit. Cause I do feel like culturally, at least in my experience and where I've been, that sort of tends to be a thing with Adventist churches, you know, I'm not trying to be negative, but I, I guess it's definitely something I, I've seen very often. Um, why do you think that is? It's probably a protective mechanism, you know, like, um, yeah, we're, 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 yeah, we're living out of fear and instead of, um, living out of, um, freedom. Mm. And, um, you know, when you like, when you have the, the Holy Spirit living inside of you, like, you know, you have nothing to fear because you, you know, like you're walking and talking with Jesus, you know, like, mm -hmm. I, and I, I think that's probably um, like, maybe we grew up with that type of element. Maybe it's been around our church for a, a couple of generations. I'm, I'm not too sure, but this, this idea of, um, yeah, I think like having the incarnate in you starts giving you eyes for um, the world around you. Mm -hmm. And when I say eyes for the world around you, we all have eyes, yeah, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. But it's new eyes, you know, mm -hmm. seeing people for who they truly are and seeing mm -hmm. like the the struggles and the, the things that, um, yeah, both like in our local context and, you know, in our cities that we can actually be have a – profound impact on our communities and mm. i just i just think that we yeah i don't i don't think we linger in, in, enough and go we actually are part of the city mm. and we have a role to play here mm. wow yeah that's powerful how about you alina what do you think 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I just have this this picture of, of Jesus, the example of Jesus and the people that he mixed with, um, the people that he spoke to and how the religious leaders at the time were challenged by that and really struggled with the, you know, the type of people that he was spending time with. And yet, you know, he he was there for the sick. He was there for those that, that needed the hope and light um, that he was offering to give. And, you know, that challenges me in, in my walk. Who am I coming alongside? Am I intentionally going into places and spaces where I, I can be a light in the darkness. And that, you know, that's something that we are challenged personally by. Um, we're seeing our own, you know, young adults that we're, um, that we're serving with be challenged by as we come alongside people that maybe we wouldn't normally um, associate with or mix with. And it's, I mean, it's an interesting question is like, who's at your table? You know, mm. like, who are you breaking bread with? Mm. Um, are they people that look like you? You know, are they from people who have the same cultural context as you? Um, you know, it, like being the best neighbours is is um, yeah, breaking bread with people you you don't necessarily have much in common with. And um, when you start doing that, like, well, you know, whole worlds transform, and mm. you you see some real beauty in those spaces. And I mm. I guess this principle in itself is, I mean see it corporately I, I wish you know the whole church would be a better neighbor and mm-hmm. um you know like I wish we would you know put on some better fates or fairs at our church and we you know there's there's places and spaces for that definitely we need to do that mm-hmm. but I actually think this this has to start in our own hearts and mm-hmm. it has to start um where we can serve and the best places is who are we meeting around the dinner table with? And mm. um, that, yeah. Yeah, I, I love that concept of the table because like in scripture, um, like a table is something that's like, it's a sign of intimacy, mm. which, is, which is why the Pharisees were always like, why does your, you know, teacher eat with tax collectors? And mm. because it's like by the act of eating, he was declaring his intimacy with them, which as religious leaders, they were like, no. If he's holy, he won't be with those people, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that's a, that's a really, really good point. I remember reading, um, Alina, I believe it was you a few moments ago who said that, you know, uh, talking about if we were to leave our community where our community miss <laughs> that we were there. Um, I remember reading a book, man. I, what book? It might have been the book Slow Church, but I can't promise you for sure that it was that one. Um <laughs> But um, good book, by the way, for those listening. Um, another one that you can throw my name in for a cut. Um, yeah, no. Anyways, um, there was a line. In the, yeah, yeah, slow church. There was a line in the book that was incredible. It was something along the lines of, you know, looking at this idea of if we were to leave our community, would our community miss us? Uh, mm-hmm. Looking at that from a different angle. And the question in the book was, if you were to leave your community, would you miss that community? Mm. Right? Like, would your church members miss that community if, mm. if the church was to move to a different neighborhood, for example? Um, and it really hit me because it was like looking at the same idea, but from a different angle. Like, if we are really invested in being the best neighbors, right? If we're really invested as a local church in speaking life to our community, then if we suddenly had to up and move somewhere else, we would miss that neighborhood. It wouldn't just be a place that we drove to in a building that we sat in. We, we would miss the people across the street and the shop across the way and, and the school behind us, you know, and, and the women's shelter on the, on, on the, on the other side of the, of the neighborhood. Like, we would miss all that because we were there. But if you suddenly leave your, your church suddenly moves to a different location and you don't miss the old location for those relational reasons, then you're not really being neighborly is the point of the book. Um, and it's a really confronting but beautiful way of thinking. Like this is, this is how our local church should function for, you know, as a blessing to the people around us. And that when we do that, our young people connect and stay. You know, it's, it's not about whether you have the coolest lights or the best drummer. Um, it's, it's a lot simpler and more beautiful. Like, are you being the best neighbors? It's really powerful stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, I have this quote here um, from Ellen White, and 
I, I don't actually know what book it is. I, I, it just has the acronym. It's like MR6. I don't know what that means. But um, if you type these words into like the Ellen White database, you'll, you'll find what book it is. But it's a quote of hers. And she says this. I love this quote. Oh, that we could be more like Christ and not repulse, but attract. Mm. I just love that. That's so cool. I just had to throw that out there and, and yeah. say, guys, what do you think about this? This is a cool quote in light of what we've been discussing. Yeah, absolutely. That we would attract, that we we would have the the light of Jesus, that we would have the joy, because um, that's what that's what a life with Jesus brings. It, it brings that indescribable joy that's beyond circumstance. And when we truly um, have that inside of us, and we come alongside other people, and we share the good news of Jesus Christ, and you know we share what He is doing in us, that becomes so attractive. That becomes so irresistible. Um, the radical love of Jesus Christ that people would be drawn to that. Um, I, yeah, I love that quote, Marcos. Awesome. Awesome. Now, Martin, I've got a question for you. Uh, <laughs> and then I've got one more question for Alina nice. and, and we'll, and we'll start to, um, to wrap up. Um, Martin, there's a youth leader currently listening to this episode Yeah, and he's been hearing it and he's been challenged. He's been blessed. If there was one thing you could say to that youth leader as an encouragement or as a challenge, uh, what would it be? One thing, yeah. Um, I would say, um, who's the people around you? Um, yeah, like, I think oftentimes we um, we lead in isolation, mm. and um, if you if if youth ministry or if the church is going to go ahead. It needs to have um, people who will challenge you, people who will um, who is on the same page as you, who wants mm. to to see it move. And mm. I, I would say, surround yourself with people who who is going to stretch you. Mm. Um, surround yourself with people who um, you you know that that those types of relationships you you need in your life. And um, yeah, that's what I would say. Mm. Beautiful, beautiful. Now, Alina, there's a young person listening to this episode, um, perhaps even struggling. I get messages quite a lot um, through the Story Church Project, through different, you know, whether it's Instagram or Facebook. Young people who are kind of struggling. They're like, I don't know if I want to stay connected. It's too hard. I'm, you know, the different challenges that, that are there. Uh, mm-hmm. what, what would be your encouragement for them? Yeah, that, that's a great question, Marcos. And actually, the first thing that comes to mind is an actual conversation that I had with a young person just a couple of weeks ago um, when we were serving in Oregon. And I think it's similar conversations that I've had with young people here, but it was along those lines. And, you know, the uh, man, I was praying for wisdom in that conversation. She's there with tears in her eyes. And um, I just felt felt really drawn to unpack this idea of the twos and threes and, you know, where there are two or three gathered together. The Holy Spirit is there. And it's kind of in a similar vein to Martin's response of, um, you know, who are those couple of people around you um, that you can um, begin to grow with, um, to to form those um, relationships with and dig into the word together, pray for one another. Um, it can just start with those one or two and build from there. And that's something that we encourage our young people because sometimes we look at the whole church and, you know, we can be discouraged or disappointed and um but ultimately it's in those twos and threes that you know the spirit will move and that we will see growth and um you will experience um the kingdom life that god has for us and yes we the the corporate and the big gathering is ultimately we want to see that be the beautiful body of christ that god is calling us to but this is a journey this whole idea of growing young growing together it's not an overnight fix it's not a silver bullet it's a it's a journey that we're committing to and in order for us to do this journey well we've got to have those twos and threes around us that are speaking life that are speaking encouragement um, that we can pray together that we ourselves can speak life into because it's amazing what happens when um, you start being that source of encouragement Mm. and hope for someone else even in the midst of your own struggle Um, there's beauty in that so I would just yeah put my arm around and encourage and say this Holy Spirit is moving lean into to that and be encouraged that he is not done with our church yet. He has got more in store. 
Amen. That is powerful, guys. That is so powerful. Well, Martin and Alina, um, before we wrap up, uh, you know, some of these uh, listeners, whether a young person or a youth leader uh, who's been listening to this conversation, may be thinking, I love what Martin and Alina are saying. I would love to know more. I would love to maybe get some of their resources or even contact them. Is there any way to do that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, we're, we're all over the, the social media like anyone else. We, <laughs> we fall into the trap of the scroll. So, you know, <laughs> yep, yep. look us up, we'll, um, we'll type back. And, yeah, we're happy to share um, resources and um, drop a line. I, I just think that's like a powerful thing to do, you know, like even as um, I just like we're so interconnected, but sometimes we don't connect and um, just to – to reach out and to hold the, those thoughts and ask the right questions. Like it, mm. it is powerful when you ask the right questions, not just, Hey, how, how are you going? But like, you know, when you are really wanting to, to have some encouragement, but ask a question that, um, yeah, that someone can actually um, speak life into you. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you guys. And look, I can pull some of that in the show notes as well. Uh, people who want to get in contact with you so they can um, find you guys online. Thank you guys so much for hanging out today. I've really, really enjoyed uh, our time together, really enjoyed this conversation. Once again, if you want to get the full spiel on uh, the six simple ways that you can love on your youth really effectively, the book Growing Young, you can get it at Amazon, you can get it at ABC, wherever. Just make sure you get your hands on it. Read it, read it with your leaders, apply what it says, and I promise you, you're going to see a transformation of the culture in your church. And young people are going to plug in and, and they're going to feel so loved and supported. It's going to be not only amazing for their spiritual life, it'll be amazing for your entire church. So please make sure you do that. Our young people need love, right? We live in a society today that is fundamentally fragmented and bizarre. It's, it's unlike anything our world has ever seen. And our young people need that extra support, that extra love. There were some other keys we didn't get a chance to talk about. But again, get your hands on the book. Absolutely amazing. Martin, Alina, thank you guys again for hanging out. And, uh, and for those of you who are listening, thank you for listening to another episode of the Story Church podcast. I will catch you next week. Until then, don't forget to redesign your local Adventist church for mission. Take care and God bless. Mm-hmm.